0: I am Jessica Doerr, and you're listening to The Offering for November 2022. This summer, I watched George Carlin's American Dream, a two-part documentary about the late comedian's life and work. I've always loved George Carlin, but didn't know much about his life. I was impressed by how often he reinvented himself as an artist, and how willing he was to lose fans in the process. Carlin seemed to understand something that I've been trying to learn, which is that Each time I make something and offer it to the world, I'm also making declarations about loyalty and betrayal. I'm disclosing my allegiances and also revealing who I'm willing to turn off or alienate. It feels sort of binary and extreme, but at the same time helpful. It's an idea I want to keep with me. In a rare occurrence, I'd prepared something early for this month's offering. It was a continuation of a now multi-week exploration called A Fool's Dream of Not Healing which I'll probably share next week instead. It has to do with wounds that don't heal, and what kinds of images might be helpful in such cases. And then on Wednesday I realized it's been one year since my book came out, and suddenly it felt like a good idea to make an offering with some of the language I've been working with this past year that's helped me to conceptualize and clarify the values behind the work I do, and why I do it. In the earlier days writing about psychology with tarot, I had trouble articulating what the work I did was about or what it meant to me. I did a lot of experimenting, updating my Twitter bio, rewriting the About Me page on my website, saying new combinations of words during interviews, all hoping to describe in an ultimate way something that was very much still unfurling. I think that's common when you're making meaning in transitional times. A narrative that morphs every other day can be unnerving, but it can also be really generative especially when there's a reasonably safe space to share and be witnessed. It was definitely scary to be doing it in public, but it was also affirming, and I was fortunate to have spaces to perform meaning privately too. Looking back, there were two truths I often came back to, and still do. One was that I wanted to write things that would make people feel less alone. The other was that I wanted to share ideas from the psychology field that I saw as being unjustly esoteric things I thought could be useful to people but seemed weirdly hidden away. I didn't choose the psychology field. I studied communications as an undergrad and then landed my second job out of college at a psychology and self-help publisher in Oakland. I was interested in the job mostly for a full-time status and benefits and the fact that it involved books, but also because I had years of experience living with mental illness and was genuinely interested in the hows and whys of it. I've said this 100 times, but... Before that job, I'd never encountered language like avoidance, emotion regulation, or distress tolerance. And when I did, it really helped me. Home alone at night, I'd synthesize the new language I was learning with the images in my Rider Waite Smith tarot cards. I'd marvel at how they played off one another, each more potent in dialogue. Having new language for my experience lit up parts of me that were latent and brought them to the fore. It gave me direction about new ways to move and helped me navigate a way forward. When I started to share that language on social media and in the offerings, which were called tarot offerings back then, people would say that it helped them too, that they felt less alone. But I'll admit that I struggled with that a little bit because I don't want people to just feel less alone. I want us to be less alone. In 2021, when I was doing the last round of edits on Tarot for Change... I enrolled in a class with psychologist Mary Watkins, who I've mentioned many times in these offerings, alongside references to her book with Helene Schulman towards psychologies of liberation. There I was again given language that gave form to what I wanted to do with my work in life, but had been unable to articulate before. Two concepts in particular, psychosocial accompaniment and negative work seemed to describe what had previously been sort of nebulous, but driving visions about making people feel less alone, and sharing resources. The first term, psychosocial accompaniment, is offered as a potential alternative to institutional roles like therapy or social work. To accompany means to go with. And with accompaniment, Watkins writes that, quote: there's an element of mystery, of openness, of trust, end quote. because it involves genuine companionship and the sharing of fates. Accompaniment is walking alongside, not wielding power over. It's a horizontal way of relating and not a vertical one. It's less about helping or healing or fixing and more about solidarity and being with. Power is shared. And if it's skewed, it skews toward the one being supported. Accompaniment used in this way has roots in Latin American liberation theology, and I love that it outlines a way of relating with suffering that results in all-involved not only feeling, but actually being less alone. A radical departure from more established services like social work It doesn't settle for the alleviation of experiences like depression or loneliness. It takes aim at the very structures, including ways of relating and supporting one another, that proliferate our hopelessness and alienation in the first place. Anything that undermines, quote, the integrity of body and mind, relations between self and other, and between one community and another. And that's a quote from Mary Watkins. Related to accompaniment, the concept of negative work has also been helpful for clarifying my values and visions. Negative workers, according to Italian psychiatrist Franco Basaglia, are, and these are Mary Watkins' words, quote, professionals who give their allegiance not to bourgeois institutions, but to those who most need their help. Making a living is often an ethically tricky business, and this feels especially true in fields that deal so directly with human suffering like psychology and social work. Certainly, this is something I've struggled with a lot. In her essay, Accompaniment, Watkins writes, quote, if accompaniment is to be a role with integrity, it must not feed off those who suffer from the collective traumas of our time, but be genuinely committed to changing the conditions that sow the seeds of these difficulties. Whatever psychological knowledge is useful should be made available to those who would express a desire for it instead of being hoarded to make one's expertise more valuable, end quote. This idea has been useful for me, too, because it strengthens my resolve around the sharing of resources and of these offerings. They are one fruit of a processual public research practice that strives for transparency about what I'm learning, where I'm learning it, as I'm learning it. It also asks me to continually identify my allegiances, to reflect on how my life and work reinforces or betrays those loyalties, and to be willing to transgress if it means staying in alignment with the interests I want my life and work to stand for. I shared the bit about George Carlin because I have very much felt between worlds this last year as my consciousness and loyalties have shifted. I've always sensed that the work I do is political, but haven't always had the social or historical context to really align what I'm doing with existing movements. I know that I've lost followers this past year as my work has been more overtly political and I plan to continue growing and changing in ways that will turn some people off. I think anyone who does public work goes through this in some form or another, and it certainly touches on all the deep, scary things. Because I do fear abandonment and rejection, in times of growth and change, I try to focus more on who I'm aligning with than who I'm losing, when I'm willing to speak truth about things that don't sit right anymore. When I'm able to do that, which is far from always, I feel excited and connected and alive. I turn myself on and feel my horizons open up to whole worlds and ways of belonging that weren't available before. Conversely, in a thousand ways, I've learned that whatever perceived protections I'm afforded in exchange for my silence about the things that I see and know to be true, it is not worth what it costs in shame, isolation, and alienation from those I know I belong with and to. And as I write this, I'm of course thinking of Audre Lorde, who said, two months after a life-threatening breast cancer diagnosis, Quote, in becoming forcibly and essentially aware of my mortality and of what I wished and wanted for my life, what I most regretted were my silences. I was going to die, if not sooner than later, whether or not I have ever spoken myself. My silences had not protected me. Your silence will not protect you. But for every real word spoken, for every attempt I had ever made to speak those truths for which I am still seeking... I had made contact with other women while we examined the words to fit a world in which we all believed, bridging our differences. So on the one year anniversary of Tarot for Change coming out, I'm excited to declare these loyalties, to keep learning, encountering good language for what I already know, and to continue sharing what I learned with those interested, words to fit a world that I believe is possible, and I know many of you across our differences do too. I feel clearer than ever about who I'm writing to and what I'm working for, and I'm thankful for that. If you're still listening, I'm thankful to you too for being such good company on this journey and for however long it feels right for you to be here. you're listening to the offering for November 2022. I make these offerings weekly for subscribers interested in making a contribution of as little as $5 a month or $50 a year. If you're interested in weekly offerings or simply in supporting the effort, you can upgrade your subscription at the subscribe button in the body of this post. This recording was engineered by Lee Clark and the music is by Lee Clark. The intro is called Evaporate featuring Kingsley Ibniche. You can listen to Evaporate and more of Lee's music wherever you stream or at the links in this post. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you next time.